0: Welcome to the Get Real Podcast, your high-octane boost of in-the-trenches, tell-it-like-it-is reality therapy for personal, business, and real estate investing success. With your hosts, Powerpreneurs, Angela Thomas and Ron Phillips, it's time to get real. Hey everybody, Ron Phillips here. Welcome back for another episode of the Get Real podcast. Man, um I'm super excited uh, today. I got a I got a friend of mine who is going to really really help you guys out with what I think is really really critical right now. In addition to the fact that whether right now or not, I think it's I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. And then and he runs so many businesses and I think as you find out how he runs these businesses, you guys are going to be you guys are going to be a little bit set back in your seat just just uh, uh, hearing how this works. So, welcome to the show, Chris Arnold. I'm, I want to I want to talk a little bit about your companies, right? So, you run a very high level mastermind group, and for all of you out there who don't know what a mastermind is, it's a it's a bunch of like minded individuals that get together and try to help each other out called the Multipliers. I love that name. I've loved it ever since you created the group. But man, you have some really, really high-talented, capable individuals in that group. Chris also runs a wholesaling company uh, in Dallas. He also has a, a a coaching arm with with Wholesale Inc. and the boys. Uh, some of you guys are going to know who they are, man. And he does all of this from beautiful Mexico, Chris. How the hell do you do all of that from Mexico? Well, it's all here in the States.
1: Yeah, I mean, the great thing, uh, Ron, is that the technology is here, right? Um, I remember I read a quote a while back uh, by Richard Branson that said, you know, in 10 years, we will wonder why in the world we ever had offices, and uh, that now might be more the case than ever, right? <laughs> that's getting sped up. And so man, with you look at things like Join Me and Zoom and all the tech that's out there, you realize that you're not required to really sit in an office anymore. And if you're not required to sit in an office, that gives you the ultimate freedom, right? And that's freedom of location. And so and my wife and I chose to come down to the Caribbean uh, which is where we always wanted to be and so I run my businesses down here virtually while everything's done in Dallas and different places around the nation.
0: So Chris, I mean you used to live in Dallas, right? You you had you, you had your wholesaling business. You moved down to you moved down to Mexico. Talk to us a little bit about how you made that transition because right now there's a lot of people who are trying to figure out how in the world to do this because this is so foreign to them. Now I I'm virtual as well. As you know, we've been virtual for two years, but I'm not as virtual as you, man. How, how do you make that transition from having an office, which I know you had, you had a great culture down there to being virtual?
1: Yeah. So it's funny when I originally thought of the virtual world, because as you said, we were in office, it was like a black hole to me. Like it sounded really cool in theory. But there was just a lot of objections coming up in my mind, right? Like, how do you create a culture people aren't in the office? How do you hold people accountable if they're not showing up to the same place every day when you can't exactly watch what they're doing? And so really, the first step for us was to hire our first virtual assistant. And we did that... Not on our own, but actually utilizing a third party virtual com- uh, company that already had the train. So, if you're asking, like, what was the first step? It was just kind of crossing that line and making that first hire. And then, what I realized really quickly is that people that are hatched in the virtual world, I'm talking about the men and women who have worked virtually for long periods of time, they by nature are very self-driven, very self-motivated. And what I found was a culture that I didn't have to train um, or feel like build a lot of micromanagement and things like that to get the result. They were naturally that way because in order to survive doing what they've done in the past, they have to be that way or you'll fall apart virtually if you're not self-driven in some of it, if you're the type of person that needs that accountability and that structure every day. And so that's really where we begin. And we just began to shift that weight, right? Next person was virtual rather than an office. And before you know it, it had swapped. To such a degree that it was like most people are virtual and we just have a couple people in the office left. And that's how we did it transitionally.
0: You know, that's interesting because and that speaks to a little bit of of some of the man, some of the pain points that I, I'm hearing because when I and when I hear them, I'm thinking, man, we really didn't have that much of a problem. Um, you know, I the way that we did it was we moved everybody, I just sent everybody home for a month and said, you know, let's try let's try this out and see if it works. And it worked, but Our culture was very similar, where like I never had my thumb like on people. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have to put video cameras in the office to make sure people were there and and doing what they were supposed to be doing. Everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing because they like what they're doing. And I, I, you know, we I've I've talked about this on my on my show, but it's critical. I know that you believe this because we've had conversations about this in the past. Having the right people in the right seats is critical for especially for this right here, right? Because they have to be self-motivated to be able to do it. it means they have to want to do the work. Do we are we on a are we on a delay? Man, I don't even know right now. Guys, we are um,
1: Cut out just for a second. You're good.
0: Yeah, I mean we're <laughs> sorry about that. It, it, everybody in the whole country is using the internet all at the same time. <laughs> so sometimes these are not going to be as crisp as they normally are, but you guys will get the point. Chris, I was saying Yeah, are saying
1: uh, right people, right seats. So, yeah, self-motivated, it's cool, right?
0: right? It's just it's just critical right now um, that we do that because if we don't have them there then they're not going to want to do the work and that's the real pro- that's the real problem a lot of these guys are trying to put in place and so all of you who own businesses out there who are virtual right now trying to put in place things that that are like heavy tracking mechanisms that track what everybody's doing all day long chris i don't know if you i don't know if you have those i don't have those in my business
1: Yeah. The the only thing we really hold accountable at that level is the sales side, right? Which you should. So Mm -hmm. we follow... 40X or four disciplines of execution, if you're familiar with that model. So mm-hmm. we have our weekly WIG, wildly important goal meeting. And that's obviously built on a scoreboard where we can see like, it's like a baseball card, Ron. It's like you can see all the stats on each of our salespeople. And so we manage that decently heavy um, just because salespeople tend to thrive when you really reward and them both from a monetary as well as an intrinsic value for doing a, go- a job well done. And then, honestly, the only thing we also- we have in place on top of that is just the EOS model, right? So right. again, there's the weekly meeting, setting our quarterly rocks and so forth, but that's not really tight micromanagement. That's just more of laying out a 90-day world, right? Yeah, that's again, just normal. Economy.
0: That's like business 101 stuff, right?
1: Business like business 101, yeah. But above that, no, n- not anything additional. But I'll tell you, if people are listening like... Can you give me some upsides of virtual world like I'm stepping into this? Let me paint some pictures of some things I really love about virtual world. Number one is if you're not tied in to the fact that someone needs to be able to commute to your office, you open up your geographical really territory uh, tremendously for getting talent. And it's like, do you want to shop in a 45 minute radius of your office or do you want to be able to pull talent from anywhere in the U.S. or outside of the U.S.? And so it's almost like I equate it to dating, right? (laughs) It's like you have a much better chance of finding someone, you know, that's a great fit if you're able to look over a broader territory, not just in your hometown, And so that's a huge upside to consider is the talent pool that you get. The second thing I would tell you is um, I am actually blown away at the culture that we can create virtually, believe it or not. And then why I think the culture thrives in a different way is we don't have the day-to-day drama of who drank my apple juice, (laughs) right? Right, right. That type of stuff. We're not bumping together in a box like we were in an office. But yeah, I feel like the culture I have virtually, I'm being honest with this, is stronger than the one I had in office. I really do. Now, we work at that. There's some tools and things that we put in place that just doesn't naturally happen. But I'm amazed at the thriving culture that you can create virtually as well. I believe that that's another upside.
0: What are the tools, man? So there's there's people right now that are really, really struggling, Chris. They, and, and we don't know how long we're going to be in this situation. What are some of the tools that, that you're using that allow you to be able to create that culture or keep that culture built?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you a real basic one um, that we use, but it's actually works really well for us is WhatsApp. And if you're not familiar with WhatsApp, what makes it valuable is how easy you can send videos and pictures and things like that. In comparison to your traditional SMS, it actually is a lot better. I've often wondered why more people in the U.S. don't use it. Internationally, everyone uses WhatsApp. But to give you an idea of how we take that tool, you know, every Wednesday, for example, we play a Wednesday game and it rotates around. And so someone will drop a question they might say, okay, today we want you to take five pictures of your office at home or your house to kind of shed a light on who you are and the way that you design stuff. And then everyone just goes throughout the day and they'll post that. But those like weekly games, things like that, believe it or not, I'm amazed at how strong our culture is built just via WhatsApp. And you're going, really? Is that the case? And I'm like, yeah. And Ron, I'll tell you this, like my COO and my staff, uh, all the VAs that have worked for me, it's been like 4 or 5 years. I've still never met any of them face to face
0: ever. But Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Like they
1: are really really I know their stories, I know their families, I know all the little odd things about each of them, right? That's just makes people who they are. And so it just it's amazing what you can build virtually without ever meeting someone face to face.
0: You know, I'm I'm taking notes right now, man. I love that office game thing. I love that one of the things we use is is Marco Polo for the same reason that you use yeah. WhatsApp. Marco Polo is
1: great. Yeah. it's
0: because you know we need to be able to see each other and we need to be able to see how quirky everybody is, right? I mean, we have a fun office, and just because we're not in the same location doesn't mean we can't have fun. We just had we just had a birthday celebration, and there were there were raps and all kinds of crazy songs. Uh, we had people my dog i put a i put a, like a i put this uh paper around my dog's neck as if my dog was telling them happy birthday wrote on it and it was silent which was stupid and funny we just have a good time with these videos right and it's so easy in addition to that it's easy for me as a leader probably for you too on whatsapp you can just get on there and give everybody some motivation for the day in, all
1: at one time that was harder to right to do everybody in the gets office because you got to gotta- you to pull everybody into the same room, right? Which is difficult yep. to do. And so on WhatsApp, I've got everyone's eyes and ears on what I'm posting. And it actually makes the communication process much easier.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, so there's two tools for you guys out there. I mean, you can use... And, and then sky's the limit, guys. Be creative about how you want to operate your, uh, your internal office. Right. And I, I agree with Chris. If if once you go virtual, you're you're gonna ask yourself. i love that quote by, by Richard Branson. I, I, I agree with it. I love it because it allows everybody to live where they want and still have excellent employment. Here's another thing too, Chris. You talked about the unbelievable talent that you can that you can garner just by having flexibility. But think about the opportunities that are offered to the people who really, really need the flexibility who don't get it from the normal office. So they're shut out of 90% of the workplace that they could get a job. And you can offer them something where you can get really top tier talent And at the same time, it's a win-win because they couldn't go use their top tier talent at 90% of the companies because they have to drive there every day.
1: Yeah. And it's usually a lot of times it can be single moms. It can be someone like we have in our office married to someone in the military. So they're off at times, different things like that. And like unbelievably talented, but their life just does not permit them to leave the house every day from nine to five right? And it's like, there are a lot of those people out there that are incredible. And you give them an opportunity to work from home, you'll be amazed at who you come across out there that you'd never get if you said show up to an office.
0: And I think how hard and diligent they work because they've been given an opportunity that they have been shut out of for so long. I I feel like there's so many people that are in that situation, stay-at-home moms, single moms, you know whatever the case may be and they have a real desire to to work and when given the opportunity man they really really come uh, they come at it with full steam uh, and it's it's
1: and they're naturally independent they're they're the yeah, type of person that right? I very independent. I'm not going to show up and swipe a nine to five. And then that independence leads to the very thing we were talking about. Independent people are self-motivated and self-driven. They want to do things their way. And when you raise up a leadership team that thinks for themselves like that, that's where you really begin to step back and have the type of people that can run your company without you.
0: Yep. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. Let's, let's switch uh, gears for just a second. Before we got on, we were talking about something else That I've talked about in a couple of previous episodes, but that's really, really critical. And I'm very curious just to to hear your methodology behind this. We're talking a little bit about cutting expense, right? I mean, in, in times like this, and actually all the time we should be thinking about this, but right now it's in everybody's mind. And I'm I'm interested to hear, um, share with everybody what your methodology is for this. And obviously, we're using it now, but this, I get the sense this is something that you do on a regular basis where you go through and use this methodology to cut expenses.
1: Yeah. So again, I was there in 2008. So for us that yep. went through that first challenge, we, we got smart and we learned the principles um, that we needed to and the methodologies. And so I think everyone's hearing, get lean, get lean, cut costs. And the question I like to ask, well, isn't there an actual methodology to do that? Absolutely, there is. And so first of all, we start with two plans, right? Our first plan is what's called the battle plan, which are all of the shifts and tweaks that we just need to make in our business right now. So for example, we can't interact with the seller. So we need to build that into a virtual process, right? We can't act- interact with the backside cash buyers, all those like current shifts that need to be done literally in like a week. To, to be able to move. And then from there, what we built out is what's called the contingency plan. And that breaks down how we go in and cut expenses and, and how we've done that. So there's three things to take a look at, right? First of all, the easiest way to look at your business is marketing, payroll, operations, right? So you got all these expenses, start with three buckets, and everything will fit into those three buckets. And then you go through this process everything is either renegotiated, cut, or deferred, right? In my opinion right now, it's an amazing time to renegotiate every single vendor you have because normally if you're calling to negotiate a vendor, it's a problem in your company and you've got to explain to them what's going on. The reality is everyone in the world is on the same page. So they don't even need to hear your story on why you need to renegotiate the cost. And it's an amazing time to be able to take advantage of the fact that everyone is open and being helpful to renegotiate. I don't care if it's $30 a month or you know $10,000 a month, whatever it is, everything should be renegotiated down. Now, on the cutting side, right, there are things right now that just need to go. And I'll use yep. the language that ICFO gives me that I think is really valuable. You know, phase one, you cut off the fat. That's all the stuff you should have been cutting off anyway. But if things are good, we get lazy and get some fat on the expenses. Then you cut into flesh. That's a bit more painful, But those are some things that require a little bit of debate. Then you uh, create a third stage, which is cutting bone. That's where you're like looking at stuff going, I need to maybe flip this over to a manual process because like we've got to get down, down, down on these expenses. And the last thing is you amputate, which is usually getting into affecting payroll. Are you taking percentages off payroll or maybe having to let some BNC go? But what we've always done uh, in that situation is create those four phases And we do that in advance. So we know exactly what the road is to cut those expenses. Now, depending on your business right now, you might go through all four of those stages in a week because you have to. Um, yep. Other uh, businesses that have more cash flow, they might kind of lay that out a little bit over a period of time and don't feel like I got to go all the way to stage four right away. So it just depends. But it's a good framework. And then the last thing on the defer is, you know, you shouldn't be writing any big checks right now. Any bills that you have where you can make a... I'll call someone and say, hey, man, I'm going to pay you. I'm good for it. But I just need to defer uh, writing a check for 60, 90 days. You know, example, that could be a legal bill, something along those lines. Um, you got to defer as well. And so, and that's our process that we go through to make sure we've got everything in place.
0: I think that's really smart, man. And that's really, it's really logical too. Um it's simple. Which, which is... Which yeah. Be. And I... And I <laughs> And it's, and it's easy to understand too, because I'm, I'm thinking as you were talking, I'm like, I'm thinking about my arm and I'm going, okay, I can clearly see how this works. I I can clearly see how this works, right? First fat, then, you know, and I I don't, in my business, same thing. I don't have that much fat, but next I got to cut into the flesh. And then next I got to cut into the bone. And then, well, the arm's just going to have to go this month because I can't use it. You know, I can't, I can't pay for it. Right. I think that's I think that's really, really key. Um, and it's really important. One of the things that, that I left off because we talked a little bit about this in uh, a couple of previous episodes, but the whole renegotiate thing is powerful right now. I gave an example of a, of a of somebody I talked to who, who was trying to get some videography done, one of my buddies, called the the videographer, who's a really good videographer, and he asked when, you know, what is what his lead time was. And he goes, Dude, everybody canceled. Like I'm I'm open. What do you need? And he goes, Well, then how much would it cost for me to just buy your services for the month? And the guy gave him a, a screaming deal because he needed the money. So, wh- again, win, win, win. This guy's out of work, S- super talented guy. But again, videography is probably not high on everybody's list. It's part of the fat, maybe the flesh. It's going to get cut, right? And it did. This guy got cut out of business. And so, my buddy was able to go do something that he was going to do anyway, but I, and he, he's going to get it done in you know, like a fifth of the time because it's all condensed. And he's going to get it at a ridiculous price right now too and help this guy out. So in times like this, it's just it's really, really critical that, we are, that we're nimble and that we're able to, to act instead of react, I think. Um, really, really critical right now.
1: Um, yeah, and I think the most important thing is you shouldn't be deciding in the moment what you're going to be doing, be laid out to worst case scenario. And I'm telling you, Ron, that just takes a lot of pressure off the brain and relieves the emotions to least you've laid out every move on the chessboard all the way to worst case scenario. And again, we don't know what's going to happen. That's the other thing. I think we have to be cautious. I can get on, I've been on so many calls where on one side, you know, we're going to be good in a month or two. And I have, I heard one guy go, it's not going to be a recession. It's about to be a depression. So like, there's like these like huge, and again, I don't know, but it doesn't matter because regardless of what happens, that doesn't change my methodology for planning for the absolute worst. I'm going to do it regardless. And I didn't mean to have to execute on it, but at least I know exactly what that plan looks like.
0: Here's the other thing, Chris, and you, you know, having been one of the people who made it through 2008, you, you understand this, right? Because there weren't very many of us that did. One of the things that's really, really critical is when you take this kind of pressure off of yourself, your your mental capacity can be used in its state that it's supposed to be in, which is in its creativity state. And it can see the opportunities and then you can act on the opportunities rather the, than be in this in this crazy reactionary mode because your brain is so overloaded with all of this other stuff, this negative stuff, that you can't see past you know what's right in front of you. And that's Absolutely. critical in times like this because you have to be able to clearly see the opportunity and then execute on it.
1: Yeah, a couple of ways I've heard that said that have always stuck with me. Every minute you're focused on surviving is a minute that you're losing, not actually building your business. Man, that's really and good. I, I heard hope, everybody, I hope way, everybody
0: wrote that down. That is, that is really good.
1: That... Oh, being overwhelmed and creativity, things are mutually exclusive. You cannot be both. You cannot be overwhelmed and you cannot be highly creative at the same time. They do not coexist. So I totally agree, Ron, you're getting down to the point of, Why we really want to lay these plans out, again, because it's smart to do, but you've got to free up your mind and your creativity to run and look for the opportunities because they're going to be there. And if that stuff is just in your head, there's no room for thinking about anything else. And I know what that feels like, the spiral. I have been there where you're just spiraling, like you feel like it's a plane going down and you're just trying to pause and Something right, and then your mind won't stop. You can't sleep. Right, you're waking up at three o'clock in the morning. Boom! My, and if you're in that state, I've been there. It's painful. um It's just not a good place as the leader of your organization. That's not who your team needs right now.
0: Yeah, they need certainty. They need someone who who can send a message that everything not only is going to be all right, but it is going to be better. That, that we're going to come out of this thing strong and with clear, clear purpose, clear direction, so that everybody knows how to execute and nobody's scared. And um, that's really, really important um, as well. Let's shift for just a second, Chris, because one of the things that uh, I've been harping on here is the ability to take advantage of opportunities that are that are all over the place. And I think people get mired in all of this these things. So we, we've we've given you some really really good tips about fixing this 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 new world of being virtual. We've given some great tips about how to cut expenses and plan for you know things that may or may not happen, right? But if we have a plan now, we can free up our brain to see the opportunity. Let's talk a little bit about because you you just did this, right? So you've just, you've just kind of in the last little bit here created a new business. And it's it's going well in spite of the fact that a lot of people are freaking out and their businesses are going down. So here you've created a, a, a new business in essence. I mean, you're already a really solid, I mean, you're, you're coaching top tier talent, so you're already a, a solid um, coach. So that part of it's not new, but this is a new venture. Tell us a little bit about what it is. Tell us a little bit about um, why you guys are able to take advantage of something like this. I mean, I would think most people in the current situation would be scared to death to start a new venture or would like pull back hard if they had started a new venture. And it doesn't seem to me like you're pulling back at all. It seems like you're leaning in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, and we're talking about the utilization of radio, right? To find discounted distressed properties. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing radio for nine years it is the only piece of lead generation that I've kept in my business that long because it's the only thing that's been highly consistent and highly dependable, right? Direct mail, that kind of came and went a little bit for Dallas-Fort Worth, particularly in 2018 because it got oversaturated. There's been other things that we've tried that just kind of work on and off, depending on pricing, you know things like pay-per-click, things like that, all the way over to the fact of there's just way too many people on the bandwagon. And so one of the opportunities I see you know, is we decided um, at the end of last year to launch REI Radio, which is teaching investors how to utilize radio to find investment properties. And the first question I'll throw out, and everyone will realize it, is how many people do you know as investors that are utilizing radio and marketing. And everyone I talk to steps back and go, Chris, you asked that question I realized... There's no one that I really know because there's no. virtually no competition. So people are like, well, isn't radio old school? Absolutely. <laughs> radio has been around forever. The application of it to find investment properties is what's new. And then people go, well, do people still like listen to the radio? Absolutely. If you understand that your avatar is primarily over the age of 50, they do not have Spotify downloaded on their phone. They don't do oh. Pandora. They still turn on the radio and the television because that's how they were raised to do. And so the opportunity right now with radio is, man, I'm loving this. The radio stations are getting squeezed right now. So there's two types of marketing on the radio. There's branding, right? I'm just getting my brand out there, brand awareness. And then those those that use radio to actually generate revenue, have a call to action. All the people that were doing branding, they're pulling their advertisement right now because it doesn't drive revenue. It's just driving awareness. And so what we're seeing right now is that the radio stations are going down. Again, we show people how to get it down to rock bottom prices. They're actually now going lower. Like When you call and negotiate, there's no fight anymore with them. Because they're like, yeah, I'll give you that. And uh, I have another station. I'll give you some free spots on that station. And hey, hey why don't I throw in some like free streaming? What, what else do you need? Because the reps right now are getting hounded by the sales managers to sell advertisement and stop the bleeding that's happening right now. So if you're looking for an opportunity, radio is that opportunity because of the time and more importantly because even before this whole coronavirus thing it's highly valuable cuz no one does it everyone is doing this right now right they're increasing their cold calling right you see it all over social media more ringless voicemail more text blasting it was already oversaturated now it's going to get even more competitive and i don't know and about think, you but i don't want to play at a game where it's that competitive
0: and i think they're going to piss people off to the point that they're going to they're now going to I think there's going to be regulation on this soon yeah, or disruption
1: where automation yep. just shuts the yep. whole thing down. I agree.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I've got a couple of personal questions because um, I've been thinking about this anyway. And I advertise differently than what you're talking for different business than what you're talking about, but irrelevant. You're still
1: looking for deals. Doesn't matter. Yeah, if you're... I'm,
0: I'm I'm still looking for buyers and I'm still looking for deals, right? So either way, it's, it's basically the same thing. And I just was talking about Facebook. I mean, the same thing is happening on Facebook. Here you have millions and millions and millions more eyeballs on Facebook. Facebook ad costs are going down because people are pulling back right now, and radio was already underutilized. And if people are pulling back on radio, my gosh, it's got to be. It's got to be really cheap right now. So do you only use, it sounds like you're probably only using local stations, but What about XM? Because I know there's people who listen to XM and most XM channels don't have them, but the news channels do all of the live, like all the sports radio channels do. And I think if I remember, but I used to do radio uh, years and years ago. So it's kind of apropos that you're talking about this because we did really well on the radio. Incidentally, are you using XM? Because I think you can, I think you can do local areas on, on XM as well.
1: Yeah, Um, we've just built our model around FM uh, and not even AM, right? So you got XM, AM, and FM. So again, the difference between AM and FM, if you're like, okay, what's that? It's either music or talk radio. I'm not saying that talk radio doesn't work, but what we've learned is that people that listen to talk radio primarily are usually more fluent. Therefore they're less likely to have that circumstance that's going to create the deal. So what works best is tacking the actual music stations that your avatar is going to listen to. And there's only three, honestly in the U S your avatar or demographic is going to be over the age of 50 is going to be rural right? Depending where you live or is going to be urban. And what I love about radio is that you can niche in. It's not a spray and pray model. It's not a buckshot approach. If your target is urban based on the area you live, you just reverse engineer that into the type of music to listen to. And you're going to generate that specific client that you're looking for. If it's over the age of 50, it's the same thing. It's listening to classical music or old school, like classical rock, classical country, that type of stuff. Right. And so I love that it's very niched as well.
0: Huh? That's really, really cool. And yeah, so you're teaching this, number one, and you're doing this, been doing it for years, apparently, number two. And the people that you're teaching and kind of coaching through this deal, the results that they're seeing real similar to your results. I mean, tell, tell me a little bit about what the... Tell me a little bit about what the impact...
1: I want to know uh, the numbers. Right? Everyone wants to know yeah. the numbers. Come, Come on, man. Sure. She, she, she give us the Let's
0: dirt, Give us the dude. numbers.
1: Let's, Let's just give the numbers. So I'm going to break it down. Again, cost per lead, cost per acquisition, depending on how much you're spending, where you're at, that's going to be all over the map. The only new true number that matters when it comes to radio is your dollar per dollar return. So for every dollar I put in that Coke machine, how many dollars am I going to get back?
0: I want so, that Coke machine. I want to get one of those Coke machines put into my house <laughs> where I can put a dollar in and get several of them back. That's that's the Coke machine that's I want. Can exactly, I have a Coke exactly. with it, Chris?
1: You, yeah, you get both. You get the money back and a Coke drops out the bottom. Nice. So um, we spend $27,500 a month on radio in Dallas-Fort Worth. And what I'll tell you is anyone that's spending over $5,000 a month consistently on radio will land between a one to three to one to four dollar return. So for every dollar you spend, you'll land between $3 to $4. For us in Dallas, Fort Worth, it's like right on the nose at $3.50. And any CFO will tell you if you're spending over five grand a month on something, if you can maintain three to four, that's actually really good. Now, if you're spending less than five grand a month on radio, like a thousand to two thousand, everyone that I know is reporting back to me about a one to five to one to seven return. And of course, the reason it's higher because the law of averages is working in their favor. And that is the no BS numbers. I get so tired of people. Well, I get a one to 15. And one, I'm like, if you're getting one to three, one to four, and you're spending a lot of money, it's a good return.
0: Yeah, you got one to 15 once on one day because you got one exactly. deal that was really good. Shut up. Shut up. I totally agree. Okay, two so- Two
1: other benefits that I'll hit on, on top of that, right? Besides dollar per dollar is you get two things. You get celebrity status and instant credibility. So think about it, where do movie stars come from, right? Where does celebrity come from? It comes from our minds and it comes via television, social media and radio. So when you're on the radio, you actually build celebrity status for your name and for your brand in your community. I don't know another piece of marketing. I don't care if it's direct mail, ringless voicemail, bandit signs. Even that, that stuff does not create celebrity stats. If anything, you don't put your brand on there because people hate you because you're spamming them. Right? I would never put my company name on a bandit sign. And then the other thing you get right behind that, which is really important with competition, is instant credibility. You know, Ron, if you're advertising on the radio, you must know what you're doing because only experts use the radio. That's what the consumer automatically comes to in their mind. So we love walking into a property to pick it up or we do it over the phone and we have celebrity status and instant credibility when we start the conversation. That's a great place to begin in the sell cycle to close and buy.
0: Man, that's fantastic. So talk to me now, like let's say, let's say somebody out there who's listening, they've got a wholesale rehab business, right? They've been doing... Mail, they've been doing everything everybody else is doing, right? Um, they've got, you know, an acquisitions person or two, you know, they've got the normal structure of, of one of those <laughs> businesses. So now I turn on a radio. From what I re- recall from radio, we used to use radio to drive people to live events. And then from live events, we would sell them, you know, um, re- real estate. So when we would turn on a radio ad, I mean, holy crap, dude, like the the calls are just i mean they they start flowing in now, i don't know if it's the same with the type of advertising that you're doing but my assumption would be that your call volume or lead flow is going to go up dramatically is there something that people need to consider before they turn the radio on structurally or internally that would that they would need to need to do to make this work
1: yeah you got to answer these calls live because they'll be the highest quality lead that you've been able to generate so i'm going to let's let's compare it to direct mail cuz we're talking about lead volume in a spectrum so direct mail over here right on the left hand side is very high call volume low quality lead, right? Radio is actually on the other side. It's actually a lower volume overall but it's a much higher quality lead. So the best way that I can describe it, it's like if you were doing direct mail and could push an easy button and get rid of all the crap calls that you get, which we know that over 50% are complaint calls and just got the good stuff that was left, the gold, that's exactly what radio is like.
0: Wow, that's really And so we get a
1: good call volume, but it's great for the new investor that's getting in, right? Because number one, you set it and forget it. All you gotta do is get in, negotiate it, turn it on, and then the radio station does everything else. Direct mail—you gotta tweak the postcard, deal with the mailing company, make sure you have a strong back end because you're about to get flooded with a bunch of calls, right? Right. Radio is actually a very low maintenance process versus direct mail, which is the so, other reason we.
0: So Chris, so you're you're actively helping uh, investors do this right now, put put this into place, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We felt like it was time, and again. We focus in Dallas for work, So if we help other people in other cities uh, set it up, that doesn't affect us at all in our market.
0: Gotcha. So tell us how people can get a hold of you, man. If they if, if someone's listening to this and they go, Oh my gosh, that sounds like, you know, the cat's meow. I really want that in in my market or in my markets. How can people how can people reach you um, without flying down to Mexico? Although that wouldn't be too bad. I mean that wouldn't <laughs> <That's> suck, how- <laughs> right? That's how That's you got to get your to radio. Do
1: it. You got to come down to Mexico. Facebook.
0: Come down to Mexico. We'll hook you up. Uh, other than that, how do they do it?
1: Yeah. So um, the best way to begin is with questions. And it's always good to begin by booking a call. Again, uh, we are limiting uh, the amount of people in territories and markets because we're not going to let it get oversaturated. So the first thing you got to figure out is, is your market even open? Because we've already sold out markets around uh, the country. But what you want to do is book a call and you can do that by going to wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. Again, that's wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. And you just literally begin by booking a call, talk with uh, our support staff and, and and you should be asking questions, right? And they will walk through and answer every question that you have about radio, but that's where you want to begin. Awesome. So we'll,
0: we'll put that in the sh- we'll put that in the show notes too so if you guys didn't get it we'll we'll have that in the show notes so you guys can click on it and and run through and i i can i can i've never used radio for for this purpose but when we used radio in the past it was many years ago when I was doing live events which i don't do anymore radio worked and it worked in a big way um so i it doesn't shock me that this works I was a little shocked honestly at the fact that you're not getting overwhelmed with calls, but it makes sense the way you explained it is that you know the only the people who are going to call are the ones because you're not in their face with a mailer and you're you're not pissing them off about their situation. You're Fire you're cable. really offering a solution that they can reach out and get. That's a whole different type of call than you know. Why are you why are you why are you calling me about my dead grandma? You know, kind of a call. <laughs> yeah. um, those are never. I say never, but sometimes those are not pleasant calls, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, one other thing I'd say, you know, people ask me why do people not been using radio if it's so good? I'll tell you two reasons. People assume number one that it's not affordable. I right. got to start with a budget of ten grand or whatever. You can start in any market, regardless of how big it is, for about a thousand to two thousand dollars a month. That's probably That's less crazy. than what you're spending on direct mail. My first station in Dallas-Fort Worth, which is um, literally one of the biggest markets for radio, um, statistically, my first station was 1500 bucks a month. That's where I started and I just snowballed it from there. And then the other thing I find with people is there's just too many variables when it comes to setting up radio. Depending on what you're selling on radio, there's a hundred different ways that you can stack a radio ad, how long it should be, when you should play it, on what station, what your copy... I mean, it's just endless. And so what you got to do is have all of those things correctly in the order to make it work to produce what we're looking for, which are real estate investment opportunities. And most people look at it and go, I have no idea where to begin. And so a lot of people steer away from it because of that.
0: Man, Chris, thank you so much for... This has been so much content, man. Like, and every single piece of it was just really brilliant, especially for the times that we're in. Um, and, and this last, this last piece too, for people who are pulling back, man, I, if, 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 if I were in the situation where I needed to pull back right now, I would go back and listen to the section, uh, that we, the, the second section we did about cutting expenses, and i would cut that i would cut things that free up money to be able to do something like this that's inexpensive but that will bring money in you don't cut marketing cut everything nope. else and if nope, your marketing isn't working right then here's another solution to try that that chris is telling you guys that you could excuse me that you can try inexpensively and My gosh, it would be worth a try because if you can do a one to three to a one to seven ratio on your dollars, then you need to reroute some of the money that you're currently spending into this or, or something right. That's going to get you money in, into your business. And you, and you got to get out of that mentality where right now I'm hurting. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to cut everything down and I'm going to, and I'm going to, you know, sit in behind the toilet until something changes. It doesn't work You've got to be proactive. You can't be reactive. And and man, you've gotten on on this episode. You've gotten some really actionable things that you can do to take care of of yourself, your business, and your life. Chris, I'm really grateful that you were able to uh, share all that with us yeah, today.
1: Enjoy it. You know, I got such respect for you. You're one of the guys I call when I'm like, who's going to be able to answer this question? <laughs> and then it's like. I'll call Ron Phillips on that one. So man, Thank I always you, man. Appreciate, I appreciate
0: your that. wisdom, buddy. I appreciate that. Guys, wholesaleinc.com forward slash REI radio stands for real estate investment, right? REI radio and and man, book, book some time to talk to um, Chris and his team. If you like the episode, if you found value in the episode, give us a like. Most important thing you could do right now to spread some cheer is to leave a really awesome comment as well and then share this episode, share um, share the, the show with everybody else. You can find the show at getrealestatesuccess.com. We really appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.